We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast for Thursday, April 13th. We are two weeks away from the start of the NFL draft. A lot to get to on that front. We're also going to talk some underdog, get into some super flex draft strategy. Lots of good stuff on today's show. Let's get it rolling. Welcome on in. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast presented by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Go ahead, get signed up over there. Get your first deposit matched up to 100 bucks. Get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Lots of good stuff in that offer. Um, go ahead and use that promo code RWNFL to unlock that offer. Mario, we're two weeks from the draft. How are you feeling? Uh, horrified, John. It's... Um... Just the the general anxiety and uh, I guess also how how uh, it, it feels like it's quickly approaching me, even though nothing's been happening and like it, it shouldn't feel that way. With so little happening, it should feel slower. It's like all, the whole thing is unnerving and uh, Lynchian almost. Yeah, it, it like there there becomes like this sort of time warp when you when you start to get closer to the draft. Like everything speeds up and you feel uh, less Lynchian, more more Kubrickian. Uh, 2001 oh, right. a space okay. odyssey when, when like oh he's going through the wormhole all the way up and, until a couple of thursdays from now yeah it's, and most of our podcasts are like that too <laughs> yeah you know we, there's an artistic it's thing. like a year-round thing i guess for us in particular but <laughs> it's true oh man um so uh, we we've discussed offline and i think it's it's good podcast fodder um, to talk about how in, in recent years, you know, with, with, you know, the proliferation of scoops and everything and, and leaks, it feels like it's been easier in, in recent years to kind of like map out how the first 10, uh, 15 picks are going to go and some some like obvious fits later on in the first round. It feels like that's less the case this year and it's more wide open. I, I think that w- what we know for sure is that quarterbacks are going to go flying off the board in the top five picks. There could be as many as four going in the first five picks. But beyond that, you know, what, what is, what is Arizona going to do? What is Seattle going to do? What, what is Vegas going to do? Like there are so many dominoes and those teams have varying, you know, different needs and fits that, that, you know, work out with, with what we're looking at as far as this uh, crop of players is concerned. Um, So like, what, what are you kind of feeling as far as that, as that goes? Um, so yeah, part of, part of what's so unnerving right now is I have no idea on any of those fronts. Um, it seems like the quarterbacks, some collection of them in some order going to go really fast. Um, but this is a really uncommonly strong draft on the defensive line and maybe even more so at corner. And those are typically premium positions. So I think, um, there's going to be a lot of those kinds of positions, uh, defense, um, after the defense, a little less than the defense, um, the offensive line, uh, those positions uh, can go quite high and have like surprisingly high picks at those positions. So um, I don't know who's getting pinched. Uh, there's there's like there's a book, there's a handful of guys. I think maybe like Tyree Wilson might be one, uh, a player who's conventionally projected in the top ten who maybe doesn't actually have room to go in the top ten. 
uh, at least if some of these other, you know, high risers that were sold on are, are uh, actually going to be high risers. Um, I, I mean, one thing we can say for sure is like the betting markets heavily, heavily favor Bryce Young going first. And so uh, not just the betting markets, but uh, you know, like the, the plugged in reporters, like Chris Mortensen, they posted a mock draft uh, with Young going first. Uh, although he was, he was quick to specify to uh, that one guy on Twitter that I didn't say that I think like he's not reporting that it's going to be the pick. Uh, he's saying like I'm just this is just a mock draft. Uh, so those kinds of things can definitely affect affect the betting markets, understandably, because Mortensen's uh, very plugged in for a very long time. But I just I feel like there's maybe a little bit of um, uh, it's understandable that this is the case, but there's a little bit quick of a rush I think to kind of like make certainty out of information when we don't. We just can't really do that, in my opinion. Uh, this could just be me, you know, sour grapes, because I've uh, been predicting that Bryce Young won't be the first pick and, in fact, has been, like, generally overrated. And I still have to think that, like, because I, I, nothing that I base that belief on has, you know, been dissuaded since then. Nothing's changed. I still am concerned fundamentally about a short quarterback who can't leverage their running ability, who doesn't have plus throwing velocity, who doesn't have a notably – a uh, great deep ball. I worry about the spatial element of all of that, but uh, none of that matters as much as, you know, Chris Mortensen's opinion. Uh, I mean, I mean that right. very, uh, very truly. Um, so uh, young at one would be tough for me because uh, tough for, I imagine anybody to project at this point, because um, Lance Zierlein, who he's just some coach's son, but he does have connections in Houston as a result of being the son of some coach. And, he was saying he was expressing some kind of skepticism about Stroud being uh, a go-to consideration for the Texans at two. So if if Young goes one, and if if the Texans only really want Bryce Young, then that second spot, I don't know what to make of it. I would think they would take a quarterback, and I still think Anthony Richardson clearly is the best quarterback prospect in this draft. Especially if, by the way, this is really big news to me. Um, he appears to be a year younger then search results on Google were saying as recently as a couple of weeks ago. And I don't know what changed. I think it must've been Dane Brugler's um, article uh, in which he compiles like a, you know, mega dossier on like all the players. And like, it's crazy. Or, <laughs> the beast um, is nuts. It must've corrected that. Cause now when you search and you know, like PFF's official page and stuff for uh, Anthony Richardson, it says he's not even 21 yet. He's going to turn 21 in May, like late May. And if he's not even 21 yet, Richardson's risk and like rawness, everything is hysterically overstated. If he's turning 22 in May, then I'm like, I'm on a little bit more on the fence. I still think in that case, he's the best quarterback prospect in the draft, but I'm admittedly like a little bit anxious about it. If he's not even 21 yet, I'm just like, you know, forget the caution. This is, this is a guy that you want. It, that, yeah, that that's well said, but, but before we get back to Richardson, what, what do you make of, Bryce Young, like, it, you know, in the sense that it, as far as like the betting market is concerned, like a couple of weeks ago, Stroud had those odds, uh, you know, where he yeah, was Stroud minus Stroud had the big rise uh, because Jeremiah, after the combine, Jeremiah might have been the main reason because Jeremiah called it. I'm pretty sure I'm not misquoting him when I say he said it was like the best one he had ever seen uh, combine mm -hmm. throwing drills. So I don't know, man. We, we, like, I, I still feel like it, it's just generally odd how apparently hook, line, and sinker, uh, and like consensus hook, line, and sinker, the top of the draft is around Young. Like, I don't remember that level of certainty among most quarterback classes, let alone one that just, for one where there's so much certainty around Young, it's like Young had never been billed as like, you know, a Trevor Lawrence kind of certainty prospect. To me, he's well short of Justin Fields. Um, and Justin Fields had all this weird skepticism from the league. I don't know. I, I, I clearly am missing something. So I just don't know how to answer the question. Cause I, I, I am missing it. You know, like there's, there's something I'm not getting, uh, that, that explains why the market is this way. But for me, it's, it's really an issue of just spatial budgeting, like as an offense, like how, even if, even if Bryce Young is, let's say the most accurate of these quarterbacks, and let's say he reads uh, the field better than all these quarterbacks can go through more progressions in a play than all these quarterbacks. What is he going to do with that? If the defense is just kind of playing uh, when you when you have a Bryce young offense, unless you're like recreating the relative wide receiver to defensive back advantage that Alabama had. And also like Alabama, if you're running pretty much only three and four wide, 
like short of that, I don't know how you create the space that Young needs to, to throw through these windows in the first place for the, for the windows to exist, for his accuracy to matter. Like how, what, it, there's, there's just going to be a lot of throwing it away, I worry, and kind of um, at some point he might be pressured to kind of just run to make big plays. And I, he is a good athlete and he can definitely run. The problem is when you're around 190 pounds, you can't do that very often. Or if you try to, you're just kind of pressing your luck. So I worry about him dealing with something kind of like the Chargers were dealing with last year, which was by their own design rather than, you know, limitations with, with the quarterback or anything. But when you can't threaten downfield in such a way that the safeties stay back, and, and I'm, I'm saying I'm concerned Young can't do that because he doesn't have the velocity and he doesn't have um, like he's, he's totally good uh, touch accuracy deep. Like he's probably standout touch accuracy, but the deep throws that he lands are pretty much all. Uh, I haven't watched every play of his or anything. Don't get me wrong, but all the ones that I've seen are pretty much ducks. Like they they're well-placed and they get where they need to go, but they, they don't get anywhere fast and they don't, they don't have like ambitious angles that they take uh, routes to the receivers. So if he can't make the safety sit back, the safeties are going to creep up. And if he's supposed to make his bread and butter, uh, throwing a little bit outside the hashes, uh, not too far downfield, but just far enough to kind of do like a whatever West Coast offense kind of thing. Those safeties are going to crash forward. And when they do, I don't know what Young can do about it to, to discourage that. Like, I, I don't doubt that he can occasionally make the moonshot, you know, kind of like, you know, Russell Wilson last year or something like occasionally making moonshots um, to, to, to make up for the cold stretches in between. But I worry about the cold stretches and I worry like what's going to happen when he feels the pressure to, to break that cold stretch. Like when he, especially if he ends up on a team that just like, isn't very good, which the Panthers certainly don't look like that. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I, and the other thing is too, is like, we have seen already that both Tua Tonga by and Mac Jones were products of the Alabama system. And both of them were more productive than Bryce Young. So I don't know. I'm, I'm again, I'm clearly missing something because it seems based on the reporting from you know the insiders based on the betting markets, the league is basically smitten with Bryce Young. They must be because they don't like five foot ten, one hundred ninety five pound quarterbacks. They don't like that, and yet we are being uh, told. And if it's correct that we're being told this that, that they're so smitten with him, then it must be because they just think he's like, I don't know, like almost, almost like a uh, just just like the perfect quarterback mind or something, you know. And, and even Drew Brees, right. like I saw somebody compare him to Drew Brees, like Drew Brees was not Drew Brees with the Chargers, you know? He needed Sean Payton. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying Drew Brees is fake or whatever, but he was not Drew Brees before he had Sean Payton. You, you know, I, I think it, it's it's so good to kind of like reframe Bryce Young because in college, there is no one scarier to me on Saturdays than this 5'10", 190-pound man. Like, he was an assassin at Alabama, like, full stop. Uh, terrifying. Uh, the way that he carved up defenses, uh, you know, I, I was front and center for a couple of those uh, against Georgia. Just kind of unbelievable stuff. But like you said, there was, you know, a, a bit of a competitive advantage in, in a lot of spots where, you know, he's got first round receivers all around him. They go out and, uh, you know, they, they're shoveling in or uh, rotating in five star uh, type talent. Is shoveling it? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I admit his pass catchers weren't so great last year, but it's like, that's that's alarming to me when the drop off happens that way. And then even against like Louisiana Monroe, it was kind of like a slog, you know, it's like there's the games against like bad defenses where he had to kind of just like struggle his way through it. Well, I think I guess you could also point to it. And this is, you know, maybe a little bit more of a recent thing with, with Alabama, but it felt like their offensive lot. He didn't have the O-line advantage quite quite the same that maybe some of these other ones have. But, you know, that. He still yeah, I mean, has Stroud definitely like Stroud might have had two. We don't know where Dewan Jones is going to go, but Paris Johnson's going in the first, even though he's kind of raw right now. So, uh, yeah, Ohio State definitely had the preferable blocking. Yeah, but uh, I mean, all, all told, basically, what 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 Bryce Young reminded me of a little bit was remember the Chappelle show sketch with Prince being really good at basketball. I wasn't expecting you to say that, but yeah. That's kind of what Bryce Young reminds me of. Like, it, you don't Prince? really, yeah, yeah you, he's football okay. Prince, football basketball Prince. Because yeah, you, Prince, you look at him and you're like, no, no way. But then he Prince just comp, but comes only out in basketball Prince. senses as it uh, relates to football. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, so I actually do have a, I do have a very particular comparison to Bryce Young and, um, 
the, the real uh, college fantasy football old heads will know this, oh. and basically no one else will. Do you already know, John? <laughs> Auburn uh, fans have... also probably know. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Then I have a different one. Go on. Okay. Well, Chucky Keaton at Utah State, uh, he had a bunch of injuries, and one of them, I can't remember what it was, was pretty nasty and might have kind of like ended his career kind of because he was – as a true freshman and as a true sophomore, Chucky Keaton was just like – he was a borderline Heisman candidate. He was so insanely good. Utah State did not have much help for him, and yet he, in his first career start on the road, against, I think it was on the road anyway, and his, I'm pretty sure it was week one, uh, against Auburn, and he, like, almost beat them. Like, the, this this Utah State team that, like, no one was afraid. He was, he was, you know, 5'11", 180, Chucky Keaton, and he almost took them down. So uh, he was he was really, really great his first two years. And I don't know if the injury, the, the nasty leg injury that he had, I don't know if that kind of like just wrecked him, but he never got going after that and had just like train wreck seasons for three or four more years uh, with, with more injuries occurring. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying Bryce Young will fail because of injuries because of his frame, although that's certainly something that's like easier to worry about with him than someone else. But I am saying no one really called Chucky Keaton an NFL prospect. And granted, this was the longest hell time. This was like pre-Twitter and stuff like that, I think. Um, so maybe today if Chucky Keaton came along again, there'd be more of a movement like Chucky Keaton first overall, but back then it didn't exist. And so I'm wondering what change that would make like Chucky Keaton, a non-prospect of his time, even before his injury be, uh, obviously distinguished from Bryce Young. And I really don't see it. I think if you turn on, if you watch, there's actually some highlights of Chucky Keaton still on YouTube. And if you watch that, I would, I would kind of challenge anyone to point out anything he does that uh, or anything that Bryce Young does that Keaton doesn't do that I love it that that's that's definitely a deep cut that that's uh that's what I come to you for uh mine was going to be Vernon Adams oh I I wouldn't worry about that quite but um as 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 kind of like a hater I'm I'm on board with it for for just like the slander utility I guess but not actually I'm not actually a hater I think Young is totally fine you know and it's like if 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 richardson's off the board and stroud's off the board then i'm interested in young because i th- still think he's way better than levis and um yeah hooker's not a real prospect to me so uh, i i like young enough if he's like in the top five i just i i really feel like if, if richardson's not even 21 yet then this is all hogwash all of these debates about the tor- the quarterback class total nonsense there is no debate if richardson's not even 21 yet just d- dude imagine if Richardson instead went back to school and had like three 300 yard games in the first month of the year, people would, that's all it would take. That's all it would take for people to change the perception of him to like, Oh, look, he's, he's polished now. So like Mm -hmm. just give him the benefit of the doubt of playing at the same age as the people you're comparing him to at least like Will Levis was older than Richardson is going into if, if Richardson is not at 21, Will Levis was older than Richardson is going into this draft when he lost his, he couldn't beat up Sean Clifford for a starting job at Penn state. Like these perspectives really met you got to keep these things in mind to create like a coherent, like lucid perspective on these players. And I don't see these things being laid out, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that's, that's important context with, with the age uh, wrinkle with Richardson, because like you said, you know, there, there is a lot of concern, about the rawness to to his game, and you know he just doesn't have that mu- that much starting experience just yet. So I mean that, but it's clear you know from the combine and from the tape and a couple of his good games that you know that there is some insane tools to to work with there. That there's frustrating elements to his game, of course, as well. But but again, under the under the context uh, that he's just 20 years old, with, with again not not that much starting experience in in the Florida teams he was playing on. Certainly, they, he didn't have the advantages that, that Young and Stroud did, to, to say the very least. Yeah, and his offense was weird in that, like, it was low pass, pass attempt volume and a disproportionate, at least relative to some other quarterbacks, a disproportionate number of those attempts were, like, far downfield. So it's it's the throws that are easiest to miss on a team with less support than the other quarterbacks in the class, and he's playing upwards of three years younger than these other ones. That's... You, you got to be able to project a little bit, you know, and if people look at if, if Richardson is not yet 21 and they look at what he has done to this point and they can't see why he needs to be the first overall pick uh, short of Will Anderson, maybe, I guess I'll leave open. I, I think it's it's just not your scene like you're just not going to get this. 
Dang. Strong words. Strong words. Uh, but I love it nonetheless. Um, speaking of Will Anderson, um, looking at uh, some draft props right now, Will Anderson is favored to, to be the first defensive player off the board. That hasn't changed um, at all this week. He's minus 450. So so far and away, the odds on favorite over, over at DK. Um, but Mel Kuyper's uh, mock draft earlier this week had quarterbacks going in the first four and Jalen Carter going fifth to to Seattle. And there, therefore, no. or, you know, uh, well, let me finish. Um, <laughs> Carter, C- Carter on Tuesday uh, be- before that was released was eight to one. And now he's plus six fifty. Um, sorry. What is what is the fraction version of? Uh, or sorry, uh, like the, um... like like six dollars and fifty cents to every one dollar that that you put down. So so he was eight to one, and now he's yeah six uh, six fifty to one. Okay. Uh, well, I guess I would see. I'm just such a bad person to ask some of these questions because I'm like. Because I reason the way that I do, I have to stand by uh, the prior in some way, unless I've been made uh, privy to some new information that I didn't have previously. And so because I I don't actually think Carter is all that close to Anderson in the general order, I, I have to believe that the odds shift there is just because of Kuiper posting that article and not because of uh, anything, really. So... Kuiper is obviously plugged in to some extent, but he's not, uh, he's not infallible. You know, he still, he still doesn't have anything on a report from someone like Jay Glazer. Not that Glazer does that anymore. Um, but it's, it's just to me that switched because of Kuiper. And, uh, if, if Carter goes to Seattle, which I, I could totally see, I mean, I, and I understand the reasoning. They have, they have a more conventional need for tackle personnel than they do edge personnel, but, if Seattle has to take Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, I think they just take Anderson anyway. So if they're taking Carter, it's to me because Anderson's off the board or because Seattle traded down, which they could do. Uh, if someone's trading up for like Hooker, I guess, especially, which would be insane to me and I don't believe it, but uh, whatever. Some, you know, obviously things that I'm surprised by happen all the time anyway. Yeah, I, I guess that the main other person that would, was affected by by that odd shift for Carter. What was Tyree Wilson? Um, he he was. Yes, I think he's out of the top ten. I really do. I don't know why Wilson would go ahead of Lucas Van Ness and especially not Miles Murphy. Uh, I know that he's a slightly different type of player, but uh, Tyree Wilson is to me not that useful of a schematic fit. Like he's a totally good player, first round pick, but um, so, some of his the myth around him is kind of like. Well, he can line up as a 3-4 end, but also he can be a 4-3 end and be a scary pass right. rusher. And to me, th- that's the kind of stuff that people uh, correctly you know, said about Carlos Dunlap. And uh, Dunlap was maybe a little bit crazier of an athlete than Wilson and uh, was, uh, yeah, he probably was more athletic than Wilson. And, and Dunlap's had a pretty good career, actually. He doesn't have like huge sack totals, but you know, someone that big and fast is a problem. Uh, as long as they're they're getting like seven sacks a year, and Wilson can do that, but uh, I, I don't think two seventy five or whatever he is is actually enough to play three four end. I think in effect he's just a strong side four three end, which is fine, but it's not a premium position. It's like you, your strong side four three end is doing a good job if he just kind of like gets pushes for like ten tackles for loss a year and holds the edge against tight ends, which is something I can get much cheaper later in the draft. So. Uh, Miles Murphy, I think, is projected too low. If there was like, if there was a really shocking, man, actually, I don't really know. Some of those corners could go shockingly high. It's so tough to project some of these corners because um, they're. It's just the. It's maybe like the best class I can remember actually for cornerbacks. It's it's really crazy how much talent there is, and um, I, I think you might see a, a couple corners going in like the forties of this draft who would be like top twenty picks in other drafts, and. Uh, when, when there's that level of depth and it's difficult to that extent to like make an order of the players, like a definite order of the players, then I feel like it, like that's where the surprising picks are more likely than ever to happen. Cause it just takes one team at a time where all the uh, verdicts, all, all the, the opinions are, are like, um, uh, they're, they're more, um, how do you call it? Uh, it's, it's like a lower plurality of, of like leading opinion. You know? it's like, it's like if, if, if four teams out of 32 believe it, it, it might still be the 
technically most commonly held belief, even though it's just four out of 32 teams, you know? So I have no idea where, where these guys are going to go, but I would say Miles Murphy being almost – both Miles Murphy and um, Luke Van Ness almost being 270 with uh, sub-4.6 speed, that's that's a pretty uncommon threshold of, of weight and speed on a defensive end, and both of them were productive players and really good defenses. Um, so I think I, – I would sooner say, like, one of those guys goes ahead of Carter than Carter goes ahead of Anderson. And, um, yeah, I think, I think it's just that Carter – was always overrated in my opinion and particularly with no testing no testing data uh not that i care about the whatever the thing i don't even remember what that one thing was about uh but there's there's questions with him and where was with anderson it's like it's an it's a free von miller just take it you know yeah yeah but will anderson is insane and like you know if if you flipped his sophomore and junior seasons there'd be no question and that that, that he would He'd probably go before some of these quarterbacks, but uh, for you know he he had to face so many more, so much more like offensive scheming that this past year. But he he is, yeah, he's something else. Uh, I I think Carter's really good too, but it's a, it's a obviously yeah, he a very is. different function. Um, oh, John, a, you know who's? Who, oh, sorry, I was, uh, Peter Schrager. I don't know how plugged in he is. He's been posting a lot more draft stuff. I, maybe to kind of take advantage of how other people seem to be posting less than ever. I don't know what that means for his credibility or whatever, but uh, he's been saying Nolan Smith uh, among some other players is going to go higher than people think. So uh, Nolan Smith in the top 10 might be uh, a kind of bet. If it's, if that's the kind of prop you can look for, uh, it might be worth, because I actually think he could, it makes sense to me. He, I actually, I support the idea too. I think Smith in the top 10 makes plenty of sense. Okay. I, uh, Nolan Smith, I love Nolan Smith. Um, amazing Georgia Bulldog, all timer. Um, but the production was not great uh, for for four years. Like I think Lucas Van Ness, as a non-starter at at Iowa, had more sacks these last two years than than Nolan Smith did in four years at Georgia. But um, you know, Nolan Smith obviously made himself a lot of money at the combine with, with the way that he worked out. But I, I just worry that he's a little bit light to be like a, a, an edge rusher. Like he, he might have to be more situational and I, I'm not sold that even if he might be like a three, three, five kind of outside linebacker. Um, and, and, and the reason I'm sold on Smith, the, the production thing you pointed out is true. Um, the reason I'm okay with him anyway is he seems, especially for someone as light as him, he seems to hold up pretty well against blockers. Like when they, you don't really see him getting like knocked out of the way if a run play goes his way which you kind of would expect at his weight. So if he's playing more like a 250 kind of player when he's when he's setting the edge, and if he still moves like the 4-3-9-40, I, I think it's just going to be like he's one of those cases where no one else can get away with this. No one else can get away with being this light, you know, and, and playing the game that he does. But because he is, you know, anomalous as an athlete in these ways, he can sort of be exempt from certain rules and you know what like you're saying like when you don't want to be under 240 playing the edge you don't want to be under 250 playing the edge uh but maybe it'll work like maybe he can be like you know the james harrison kind of exception like james harrison was like six foot 240 or something uh and he worked mm-hmm. out because he was obviously freakishly violent and explosive athletically yeah, yeah but yeah we'll, we'll see when it, when it comes to to nolan you know for, former number one overall recruit uh coming out of img academy obviously very good player did have some injuries uh, I, d- does that concern you at all the the durability oh i um i actually don't know what those are was um uh, so he he got a f- elbow hyperextension um in 2021 and he tore his pec th- this past year um i'm sure it's more often that pectoral tears just don't really lead to anything else in a player's career, but it, that is one of those injuries that you don't particularly like to see because uh pectoral tear, that's one of those ones where if you get one, you're definitely more likely to get one in the future than the average person. Uh, even if you don't get another one, you're still like way more at risk. I guess it's, um, the, it, is it Gerald McCoy who had the, the nightmare example of that? I think it was Gerald McCoy, he, or maybe it was his biceps. He, he tore something three times in like five years. Uh, so that would be more concerning. I don't care about the, the hyperextended elbow is nothing. I am almost positive, but, uh, okay. Yeah. Pictorial tears. You don't really like to see all that much. No, of course not. Any, no. any of those, uh, any of those like tendon snap type things are no good. No, 
you don't like them, but you know, obviously that happened in late October was able to, to go fine um, at the combine. Let's go ahead. Let's shift some gears. Let's talk some underdog um, before we get there. The 2020, 20, the 2022 NFL season is over, but the fantasy football season never stops at underdog fantasy. The easiest place to play fantasy football right now. You can draft in underdogs, the big board tournament with 1 million in total prizes and 200,000 given out to first place. Think you know that much? about the incoming rookies that are going to burst onto the scene in 2023? If so, now's your chance to draft them at a value. All you have to do is join the big board, draft your fantasy team, and that's it. In best ball, there's no waivers, no trades, and you get the best scores in your starting lineup each week of the season. And whoever has the highest scores at the end of the season win. Just head to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or the Google Play Store, sign up with the promo code RWNFL, and not only will you get your first deposit doubled, up to $100, but we will also hook you up with a six-month Rotowire subscription with everything Rotowire has to offer for free. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWNFL. Uh, editorializing a little bit here. Big board closed. However, and this dovetails nicely with our segment, Mario, they do have a Superflex tournament now, the Big Board Superflex. So let's mm-hmm. unpack that a little bit. Uh, how much have you gotten in on these uh, Underdog Superflex drafts? I can't remember. I think it's six or seven or something like that. But um, I wasn't keeping track. I was just I I, I haven't uh, I hadn't played Superflex stuff. Certainly not best ball before. So I was drafting for kind of experimental self education purposes at first, and uh, had had uh, embarrassingly little idea what I was doing. And I'm sure that's still the case too. But it's still a little better by now than it was uh, initially. So. To give the, the broader view of, of how these function, for those who aren't in the know, super flex means that you can start a quarterback in your flex spot. And the way that Underdog has it formatted uh, for your starting lineup every week, it's one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers. That That's the big change other than the It's super almost flex as time. big of a detail as the super flex it is, uh, is itself. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's big. And I didn't notice that for the, the first two or three drafts. Uh, but luckily, John, um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of prone to taking running backs uh, more and earlier than a, a lot of uh, modes of, of analysis these days advocate. So uh, that it's to the benefit of the running back position uh, didn't really matter for my teams because I, w- I was kind of hammering it anyway, just not just for, for no particular reason, you know, even though there was the additional reason in the, the two wide receiver detail. So. You know, with, with that in mind and, and, you know, skill positions getting pushed down a little bit in light of the quarterback, because, you know, but as, as you can imagine, as you can assume, uh, quarterbacks get pushed up a lot more quickly. You see quarterbacks going in the first round, a lot of quarterbacks going in the first round because you don't want to be left holding the bag with, with you know, a, a bottom tier starter and then a guy who, you know, who has limited uh, or concerning job security. So th- therefore, quarterbacks go early. Um, as a result, you know, who have been some favorite skill guys to, to go after in those early rounds that, that you, that you found can be a little bit of a value in, in light of those quarterback, uh, runs early. Well, I would say you probably want to go quarterback. If you have any of the first seven picks, the, the ADP as it is, it goes Josh Allen, Mahomes, Hertz, Fields, Burrow, Herbert. And that's, uh, at 6.6 ADP in Herbert's case. Lamar Jackson had been going behind Trevor Lawrence. I uh, see now he's going ahead of Lawrence at 8.1. I I think there's a case to put Lamar ahead of Herbert. Uh, not, not that I'm like, not that I actually have a viewpoint either way. I like Herbert plenty uh, too. But I think if you have a top seven pick, you want to just go quarterback, depending on like which one you rank the highest of that group. Um, and and not, not that I'm against Lawrence at uh, eight or seven or whatever else too, but it's just Herbert is, oh, did I lose John here? Um, sometimes John's internet goes out, but he'll, he'll probably get back at some point. Um, let's see, what was I saying? Oh, so, um, Herbert to me, I'm kind of like arbitrarily setting the line at Herbert and Lamar because, uh, Herbert very recently had that 5,000 yard 30 touchdown. Oh, John, you there? Yep. I thought, I thought I saw you go off screen for a second there, but, um, I was just trying to, I was trying to set like an arbitrary value cutoff where I'm like, after this point, I don't view the quarterback pick as mandatory. It's like acceptable to take 
whatever, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson at, you know, 10, 11, 12, if you want. I just think it becomes much more arguable for the skill positions at about that point in the first round. Um, Cause Herbert, if he goes five, uh, 5,000 yards again, 30 plus touchdowns again, you're going to regret if you pass down him at six or seven. And if Lamar uh, runs for a thousand yards and throws for, you know, just even 20 touchdowns passing for Lamar uh, with this customary rushing production is the kind of thing that could put him uh, in the top five at quarterback. So after those two, um, and, and beginning with Lawrence, I think is when the skill positions become a serious consideration. And um, I don't know, it's like I, in the uh, big board and all the other underdog type best ball things, including going back to last year, I always wanted to get Justin Jefferson. I was like, I, I want to get Justin Jefferson on every team pretty much. And um, in this format, because of the two wide receiver rather than three, it's not a slam dunk. T- like I, I can see the case for taking McCaffrey ahead of Jefferson. Uh, if, if the two are an option and the quarterbacks are not, and that would never be the case for me in, you know, the three wide receiver format. And then what is, what does that do in your mind again with, with receiver being less of a necessity in in that first round or, or early second, I know that you and I have, have not always been Travis Kelsey in the first round guys, but does, does he look more appealing in, in this format to you? If you're picking in, the, in that sort of quarterback dead zone, like eight through 10. So it's it's still 20 rounds, and I don't know. Like I, I I said because it's uh 20 rounds rather than 18 in the one quarterback, the 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 big board. I advocated taking three quarterbacks on pretty much every team because like, well, we have 20 rounds, why not just have a third starting quarterback since you can find some random guy to play a receiver or running back in the 20th, whereas with with quarterbacks you can't. Um you might expect me to say then I, I expect, I think you should take four quarterbacks in this format, but I, I think the, the right number is still three. And um, just because it's like, if you have two good picks at quarterback, they will be your super flex and your quarterback for the vast majority of the weeks. And um, a third one, I think would ideally be just like enough injury insurance plus, uh, you know, off the bench upside to do the job at quarterback. So I think you still aim for a similar or same tight end count as you would in the one quarterback format. I just never had a very, I, I didn't have a very good sense of what the answer is in either one, or at least like I, I, I can see a range of justifiable positions, but I want to go too tight end if I can, because I, I just am skeptical that anyone other than Kelsey and maybe Kyle Pitts and Andrews, are going to do that much. And I don't know if you can catch the Kelsey team, even if you go three tight ends, you know, um, I usually do because I go so cheap, like uh, Ch- Chigoze McConkwa is my easy tight end one. Uh, who, so I'm not taking him until like the you know 12th, 11th round, stuff like that. But I would love to have a bunch of Kelsey teams because then you can really, you almost need to go two tight end rather than three because uh, you know Kelsey, if he's not your leading tight end, scorer uh you know 15 games or something then your season went bad so at right. that point like negotiating the details from that given stamp that given point it's like there's no reason to it's just it's it's a dud already so going back to to quarterback um as far as you, your roster construction so you, you mentioned taking three in, in the single quarterback uh leagues is it overkill to do four i don't players? think so and so the, the reason to do four, best as I can reason anyway, I, I would say the, the, the reason you would go with four quarterbacks is because you're not confident in the first three. Uh, like being a super flex format uh, doesn't mean that running back, receiver, tight end doesn't matter at all. But realistically, to win your league, you're going to have to post one of the highest point totals at quarterback production, even, even if you're going cheap at the position. It's like you need to find some way to be competitive at the position. And so... If you have, I don't know, I don't know what the example would be. It's like if you have Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, and Desmond Ritter as your top three quarterbacks, maybe that team should take a fourth one because I don't know how you're getting to 30 points with those guys most weeks, you know? Um, so yeah, that would be the reason I'd say four. Not, I, I wouldn't want to be going four for durability fears, especially not in the tournament anyway. And then, um, you know, th- this is a, a detail that, that won't matter so much in, in a couple of weeks. But if you're drafting right now, do you think four is also a, a good way of uh, getting a little bit of bi-week in- insurance? 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know how to factor in, you know, the trade-offs and, and things like injury outcomes are going to have a lot to say about which uh, approach we call correct in hindsight at the end of the year. Four quarterbacks could very well, if there's enough injuries at quarterback that then the four quarterback teams are, are you know, looking a little bit better, I would have, I would assume. So uh, bad injury year for quarterbacks could, could, could tilt things that way, but if they all stay healthy, then, then I guess at that point, I would think quarterback would come down more to picking the right players than like outsourcing the question to volume. I don't, I don't know if that's like how you get upside. Um, Cause even like Anthony Richardson might be the ultimate like boom or bust quarterback on the board. And even though he could easily be a zero all year, you're probably not getting him later than like, geez, I don't even remember how the super flex it, it was before the super flex. It was like 12th, 13th round, you know? So it might be mm-hmm. something kind of unpalatably high uh, for the super flex version. Right. So, so bear that in mind as well. That, that's going to round it out for our underdog uh, strategy. Uh, segment for for Superflex again. Uh, use that promo code RWNFL. Get that first deposit over at Underdog doubled, up to a hundred dollars. Get that free six month RotoWire subscription. Um, so we just talked a little bit of theory. Let's do a little bit of practice here, Mario. So I, I just sent over to you um, the Superflex draft that I did earlier this week. I was picking on the wheel, and uh, when I, I first heard uh, your uh, kind of sentiments about running back. It made me feel immediately better about how I, I started this thing off. Um, but again, picking at the wheel, 12. I want Dak Prescott with, with my first pick and then Jonathan Taylor. So again, those could be flip-flopped and, and you know, wouldn't really matter too much. And then at, uh, at the 3-4 turn, I got Derrick Henry and Russell Wilson. Nice. Um, yeah, see, Chubb went, man, you almost got a, were you going to go Chubb Henry Taylor there? Uh, if you if you had gotten Chubb at thirty five and, and Henry at thirty seven, or sorry, thir- the Chubb at thirty six and Henry at thirty seven, um, those um, I, those guys I are would have gone Chubb, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Chubb is is like the key to the draft right now. Honestly, like he's if he doesn't get hurt, he's just gonna cash like crazy because he's, he's going way too late. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, I would have took. Taylor, like you did, I, I have Taylor way, way ahead of Chubb, so um, uh, or not way ahead, s- some amount ahead. So I probably would have done something similar there, um, especially once you're gone, Pat, especially once uh Jefferson McCaffrey Chase are gone, then at your position in the twelfth, I probably am taking at least one quarterback, not more than one. I should I should say I am taking one quarterback, and like you, I would have probably took Dak. But um, I'm kind of flipping a coin between him and Watson. I don't really know how to call it, but I, I feel a lot better about Dak since that Brandon Cooks trade. I think that's huge. And um, especially if they get like Darnell Washington in the first round to um, really, um, it, that, that would give Cooks a lot of room to operate. And I, I think kind of uh, make some big plays out of that group. And, and you, uh, you you did get Cooks later, right? Am I right? I, yeah, I, I did Cooks get later, Cooks so. later. Um, See, I like that is- setup. Oh, sorry. The reason I did Dak was more for um, diversifying purposes because I have a lot of Watson, although this was my only super flex so far. So I guess that that doesn't apply fully, but I have a lot of Watson shares um, as it is. I feel like he's a definite value in in these drafts so far, especially in the one quarterbacks. But I think you were right to not take Dak and Watson because I think getting a Taylor Chubb um, even better if possible kind of running back in this type of format, I think is really important. I just, I, I could be wrong, but the, the way I'm trying to reason this is um, as much as like in, um, I guess, basketball and redraft both, we've got these recent season examples of where late in the year, some of the highest scoring running backs in like week 16 and 17 are complete nobodies. And so a lot of people reason like, Oh, so just don't draft running backs, just draft backup running backs. And uh, that's the way to play it. Um, it's like a couple things. A, receivers can still get hurt. So, uh, you know, getting some of those early round running backs is probably something to consider, even if you really hook, line, and sink or believe in the whole anti-running back thing. But uh, if those running backs don't get hurt, you can't imitate the weekly upside of top talents at running back with volume at running back. What you What's on the table for the volume running back approach is – you get you, you patch together a couple 20 and 25 point games. 
But if there's a running back that week who's going to 35, he's not on your team. And if he's not hurt, mm-hmm. your team's in trouble. So I know that, that, that there's, this, there's a sort of like school of thought on this or, or where the response there is to smile uh, smugly and then say, well, they are going to get hurt. <laughs> so it's like, well, <laughs> if that's, if that's, if that's your deal, that's your deal. And we, we probably don't have much reason to talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> De- yeah, definitely. And if, if they've uh, heard our podcast, uh, we, uh, we mix like uh, oil and water. Um, your thoughts on Russell Wilson. Um, well, he's, I'm- he's, he's at the price point where it's categorically guys you are going to have some level of anxiety about, you know? So it's like to point out in Superflex, like Ooh, Russell Wilson kind of sucks. It's like, well, everybody's got a quarterback in the Superflex that most teams anyway have a Superflex quarterback that kind of sucks, you know, in some way or another. Mm-hmm. But if a quarterback must be kind of bad and, and in this range of the draft, I will, I can start to feel better than I otherwise would if Sean Payton's involved, you know? So I think Russell Wilson yeah. is one of those guys who you can granted this is how I thought it would go last year and it didn't. I think he's one of those guys that you can um imagine not playing very well and maybe even playing kind of ugly and still doing just enough for the price in fantasy because um he at the very least the difficulty level is going to go way down for Wilson this year. Like I don't I don't like the guy. I think he's really annoying. I don't I don't think he's particularly good either at this point. But this is the chat G- GPT quarterback uh, I don't know what that thing is yet, but if it's bad, I believe you. Uh, the thing ha- is such a goof. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, absolutely. But by, by that, I meant that Russ is just like, he might, like, whenever he talks, it might as well have been like a computer. Oh, it's like generated. a beep boop kind of. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you mean. And it's 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 true. Actually, I don't even know if I, I Wilson's like less of a robot and more of like a slithering thing at this point. I don't know. But um He's 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 a goof, but he he's still gonna do better than he did last year. Uh, just because Hackett's gone, Hack, Hackett being replaced by literally just any random name from the field gets better results. So that they're not replacing him with any name in the field, but rather Sean Payton is a pretty tangible reason for I don't want to say optimism, but like optimism for the price and, and optimism relative to last year. Yeah, I, I thought so as well. I did, yeah, I just kind of am projecting a bit of a dead cat bounce. Like, can't get much worse. It, you know, uh, things looked better a little bit once um, once Hackett was gone late in the season. Obviously, small sample, and we, we got a new offense coming in. But the, the skill positions around him, I, I think, are are encouraging. Uh, if the offensive line can be, you know, some form of decent, uh, and and the system works for for him, then you know, all of a sudden, I, I think Russ is a candidate to to return some value. So I'm, I'm at least curious about him, you know, especially when you're talking about the quarterbacks after him is like a pretty significant cliff. I, I have some interest in Jordan love, but then you have, you have the rookies, uh, you have Stafford who I, I, I could certainly be interested in a little bit later. Um, Stafford, then, I like, like uh, is he, mm-hmm. Stafford, sorry, John, I was going to say like Stafford's one of my favorite players for the price. He's just like one of the, remember how many times you drafted him and if you start going too high over 20 percent you gotta remember to like avoid the temptation just because injury crap could just kind of you know ruin a good idea or what otherwise might be a good idea exactly but uh, i think like you said he he is a value as as it currently stands you just don't want to get uh too over leveraged um before we get on to the the rest of the draft we do have a quick message from our friends over at blue wire We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Okay, rounding it out. So um, I, I went ahead and I got s- some pairings a little bit later on. I got Jerry Judy uh, two rounds after Russ. I got Brandon Cooks um, a decent bit later over over in the in the ninth round. So those pair up with, with each of my uh, quarterbacks and then late court late game quarterbacks. Um, Tyler Huntley just in the event that, that Lamar Jackson doesn't play for Baltimore this year. And then in the twentieth round, I mean, I just don't buy that Desmond Ritter is going to start all year. So it, again. Maybe, maybe, or maybe not. It's it's overkill. But well, he can get hurt regardless of what you think about um, the merit question. I mean, Ritter is really skinny, so they're definitely going to go with him. But I mean, if it, all it takes is like one hit when you when you're six three two oh five at quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, not not a lot of density on, on that frame. So I, I feel like we. we this is almost like the, the perfect Taylor Heineke situation. Like when he gets signed over or you know, like, get, and you so want him to come in starter over him. You want him to come in hot. You don't, you don't want to have like, you want Taylor Heineke's entrance has to be the same as in like pro wrestling when there's a match already going on. And then some guy comes running out from the back. Like that's how you want Heineke deployed because when he's, when he's like sitting there as, as you know, his day-to-day job as a starting quarterback, he starts to just kind of, um, like the wild card factor turns against you, but if, if you if you need the wild card, he's he's, he's coming in hot and, and off the bench and and just can immediately dive head first at the biggest defender on the defense, uh, jumping as high <laughs> as he can. Um, but yeah, I think I, through the ropes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's, he's t- Taylor Heineke uh, should have been a, a Bills backup quarterback actually, and then he could have. Uh, I might have lost John there, but what I was going to say was. Uh, Heineke could could do all that uh, jumping on tables and stuff um, that, that, that those guys like to do so much. Um, I'm going to take the liberty of saying one pick that John made that was really good um, was Dobbins. Uh, we always like some Dobbins hype here. He got him one pick after David Montgomery. Uh, don't take David Montgomery ahead of J.K. Dobbins, in my opinion, unless you're just kind of trying to offload your J.K. Dobbins um, injury risk. Oh, hey, John. Um, oh, John, Hello. one thing I really like about your team, too, um, not that I can advise this for, like, anybody but the two of us. Like, this is one of those things that only we're allowed to do. But mm-hmm. getting Okwagunum in the, in the 19th round or the, tw- oh, yeah. the the 18th or whatever, I love it, um, especially with the Wilson uh, pairing. Like, that, I need to get some Wilson teams so I can give myself license, give myself permission to take an Okwagunum team because, like, he still would be the tight end that I take if I'm running some show, but I just don't know what's going on. And the, the, the politics of that organization are all screwed up, but what would be really funny, John, and what everyone else other than us needs to pray doesn't happen is if Sean Payton, the guy who you might recall, John found a certain utility in, in um, a six, four, six, five plus uh, downfield scene threat, a wide receiver, tight end, tweener type. Uh, hmm. You might have heard of Jimmy hmm. Graham. You might have heard of Marquez Colston. Uh, you might wonder, could Sean Payton again use a very tall, very fast person to his benefit? It's it's open there. And you know what? Dulcich, he's too slow. He can't do those tricks. So 
Um, I'm not saying Dulcich is going to the bench for Oquegwinum, but I am saying if Sean Payton wants a Colson, wants a, a Jimmy Graham kind of function, Dulcich can't do it. So maybe they're going to add somebody in the draft that can. I don't know. But meanwhile, I mean, it's 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 hard to ignore, man. It's it's hard to ignore the parallels between the 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 traits of of that one Sean Payton role, that that that's that big slot role that he kind of invented at the time with Colston. Aquagunum can do that. Uh, I, I'm remembering, I think it was Jimmy Graham's rookie season. I was at a Ravens Saints game and no one knew who Jimmy Graham was at this point. And Graham goes up for like this ridiculous, like 30 yard touchdown. He's in the end zone uh, and just goes up over whoever the Ravens had um, covering him at the, at the time. And I was like, who, who exactly is this fella? And uh, yeah, lo and behold, just an unbelievable peak uh, for you know six, seven years after that uh, peak Jimmy Graham. Uh, all time. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see it. And of course, Mario, to, to your larger point, uh, there is a brand that we need to uphold uh, between the two of us. So, I mean, of course, I'm going to take Alberto and of course, I'm going to take Chica Conquo um, in the 12th. I'm, I'm glad that we're, we're on board uh, with him. And then uh, I wanted to round out with, with this one because it, this ties into, into the, the, the one bit, bit of non-draft news from this week, and that's Odell Beckham. I, I grabbed him. Oh, yeah. uh, this was a day after he signed. Uh, I grabbed him in the in the 12th. I, I got Oconquo in the 11th. Um, your thoughts on, on Odell landing in, in Baltimore? I like it in some ways. I just need Lamar Jackson to be there um, to care all that much. And I, I think it's really odd how there was, uh, like Rappaport was among these people who tweeted out um, after the, Beckham contract had been announced. It like, looks like Lamar is coming back then. And I don't know if I believe that. Uh, or like Lamar could come back, of course. And I, I hope he does. But it seems as simple as the Ravens paying him what he's asking for, for that to be the case. It didn't seem like no one, for instance, reported that Lamar Jackson's whole Lamar Jackson's uh, requesting a trade unless the Ravens sign Odell Beckham to a one year deal. Like he's, if he was holding out for that, wouldn't he have just said, um, Hey guys, I'm not requesting a trade or anything, but could you go sign Odell Beckham? That'd be cool. Like that's, that's, that's how that conversation would go. It wouldn't be like, I'm, I'm going to need to be traded if you don't sign Odell. And that's that. And like, that's, uh, that's I think not the, what the, I think the Ravens, about. I think the Ravens are trying to just do what they can at this stage of the negotiation process. And, and you know, if if Lamar Jackson wanted Odell Beckham, if that was kind of a, a thing, again, like you said, maybe, maybe not like the uh, the ultimate turning point on, on the on these negotiations overall. But it's like if the Ravens were to go into this upcoming season with the wide receiver loadout of Bateman, Aguilar, Duvernay, or a, a first round receiver who you know, as we've kind of discussed over these last couple of months, might you know might not even be worth that pick um, at, at twenty two. Yeah, they're not taking away. That's that's less alluring than a loadout of Bateman, Beckham, and, and Nelson Aguilar. I think I think that that actually looks some form of yeah. Of I mean, Aguilar's a zero. I don't know what they think they're going to get from him. He's not going to give them anything. Uh, they can't get anything from Marcus Robinson him. stuff. Can he? Yeah. I mean, I I think I would rather have Aguilar than Robinson. It's just. Robinson's game is one where you just kind of throw the ball to him, even though he's covered and he'll try to like uh, come down with it in a car crash kind of scenario. Whereas Aguilar needs, you know, like an aircraft carrier completely cleared to, to feel comfortable enough to, to, to focus on the catch long enough to reel it in. So um, anyway, it's of course better for Lamar's interest to have Odell Beckham there, but it's like, what, what could that have actually amounted to, relative to Jackson, like it may, maybe it raises the, the, the willingness that he has to sign the franchise tag. I don't know. Uh, but he's not extending on that basis. And no. if, yeah, so I don't, in any case, I, I think Todd Munkin is a huge, huge improvement over Greg Roman. And even if there's growing pains in the scheme, it's still going to be a better product than Greg Roman's scheme at its best. So I absolutely believe in Odell Beckham if he's healthy and, and if uh, Bateman, Lamar are there, Andrews, 
then that offense is definitely going to score some points, just like Lamar Jackson has for most of his career already. Uh, I just need him to be there. Yeah, so uh, if nothing else, I'm a little bit less anxious about the Ravens for this year. I'm, I'm starting to come around on the idea of Lamar Jackson playing on the franchise tag. I, I, I'm still dubious as to whether he he's there long-term. If this year goes well enough, that then you know maybe that's a, a different discussion. But um, for, for now, especially with, with how frosty the, the trade market seems to have been, uh, you know, and I, I do think that uh, the next big hurdle is draft week. I think that we could start to hear some potential movements some people being anxious about drafting a quarterback and instead going ahead and taking the plunge and making that trade, even though it involves, of course, the two first round picks. Um, but Mario, I think we've we've pretty much covered it uh, for, for this here episode. So that's going to wrap it up for us here on the Roadwire fantasy football podcast again presented by our friends over at underdog fantasy go ahead sign up at underdog using that promo code rwnfl double your double your first deposit get that six month subscription good stuff all right from Mario puig i'm john mckechnie thanks for listening try rotowire today free for 10 days get our premium tools rankings analysis and breaking news alerts no credit card required go to rotowire.com forward slash try.